This episode is brought to you by a brand new sponsor of the show, Picmonic. Picmonic is an audiovisual learning system with unforgettable stories and characters to help you remember everything you need to know for PT school and beyond. Used by over 1.5 million students all over the world, Picmonic is perfect for streamlining your studying in an efficient manner. Listeners of the show can use the promo code SNACKBREAK in all caps for a 20% discount, and first-time users can start today for free. Getting access to one learning objective and one Picmonic quiz per day, forever, at zero cost. Available on iOS, Android, and desktop. Once again, listeners of the show can use the promo code SNACKBREAK in all caps at checkout. Happy studying, and let's get right into the show. We'll restart. Just got it. All right. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Snack Break Podcast by Ortho Snacks. I'm your host, John Schaefer, and on this podcast, I interview physical therapists, fitness professionals, and health and wellness experts. My guest today is a double graduate of Stony Brook University, where he received both his undergraduate and doctoral education. In addition to his DPT, he has pursued additional subspecialized training in sports and performance therapy, earning both his CSCS and board certification in sports physical therapy. He's currently the director and coordinator of sports medicine for St. Charles Outpatient Physical Rehabilitation Network. Outside of this role, he's the founder of Fitness and Movement LLC, which focuses on hypertrophy training, physique transformation, and injury management. And he recently started a Discord community for students and clinicians interested in growing their practice within the world of sports therapy. He is Dr. John Kalv. John, how are you? Good, John. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to diving into uh, some topics with you today. Yeah. And that was the last thing I was going to ask you before we went live. Did I, did I pronounce your uh, last name right? Is it Kyle or Kale? Kyle, you got it right. Kyle. All right. Right on the money. Which um, is a rarity. Yeah. <laughs> Good to have you on the show, though. I'm excited to talk. I know we've been chatting a little bit just over Instagram the last couple months as you got in the Discord started, but I'm excited to ask you you know, a couple different uh, questions about things that you're doing nowadays. Um, so for those who aren't familiar with you, John, tell people who is John Call. All right. Who is John Call? So um, I'll dive into my professional background, then I'll give you a little bit about my personal background. So professionally, I am a uh, the sports director and or clinical coordinator is my official title um, at St. Charles Hospital. I am from Long Island, New York. And I am the, I work with my colleague, Keith Levinson. We co-direct the program for this, our sports medicine team and our sports medicine program. So I have a clinical role where I'm treating. Um, and then I also have an administrative role where uh, me and my colleague work together on program development. We work on community outreaches. We do a lot of community screens. Um, for example, we also covered the Suffolk County Marathon, which was in October of this year. So we do a lot of outreach and community stuff like that. And then I also have a role of running our social media page. Um, so I really love treating athletes. That's really where my passion lies. And, you know, as an athlete myself, or I should say a former athlete, just a washed up athlete now, um, I really do feel like I can vibe well with this clientele and this population and really speak to them and understand where they're coming from. And I really feel like that, you know, as a sports therapist, that gives me a little bit of an edge to really help these, these patients and these athletes along. So sports rehab is where my heart's at. Um, I, myself, I was a basketball player for pretty much my whole life. Um, so basketball is, is my main sport. I, I really love playing it. I love watching it. I follow it. I love treating those types of athletes, uh, the basketball athlete. 
um, as well as just doing strength and conditioning for them as well. But, you know, my passion also lies with ACL injuries, the knee, lower extremity type stuff. I do like treating upper extremity and spine, but I think my wheelhouse lies in the lower extremity. But that's my role at St. Charles Hospital. Um, I also have a uh, business called Fitness and Movement LLC, and we are an online training and coaching platform where we really target uh, athletes who want to make physique improvements. So those who are looking for hypertrophy training, right, building muscle, whether it's building muscle, losing fat, really just transforming your physique. Um, that's really where our wheelhouse lies with that. Um, that's me and my colleague, Dan Lorenz. So uh, Dan was a... Uh, has been training bodybuilders for over a decade now. And um, I'm just shy of a decade, but we really have a good uh, experience with bodybuilders and the fitness athlete. Uh, so that's really what we do with fitness and movement. And, um, it, it, you know, that goes anywhere from um, anyone who just wants to, maybe they're starting their journey, their fitness journey, and they want to improve how they look and how their physique looks. Or maybe it's the, you know, the 10 year lifter who's having some nagging shoulder pain, but, you know, they can't get past it. So, with our PT hats on, we can work ways on, you know, and we're not treating injuries per se, but we, we can have ways to kind of work around things and make sure that we're not irritating things and then point them in the right direction if they really need to see some medical help. But it's a good hat to wear. And we kind of see a nice variety of those. And we also treat, uh, not treat, we also uh, train uh, sport athletes as well. So as I said before, my, my basketball um passion i have you know three basketball players who i work with now just working on sports performance training getting them in in the best possible shape that they can so they can transfer to the court uh i have a client who is an avid volleyball player she plays competitively um so we have a pretty well-rounded clientele which is nice um and then i also i, <laughs> I do a bunch of different stuff here it's kind of crazy so then i'm a teaching assistant for stony brook university so i love teaching i mean i feel like that's another thing where one of my passion lies and a lot of the roles I have affords me the opportunity to actually teach and help others. So I'm a teaching assistant for orthopedics in the physical therapy program. And I really enjoy doing that. I like being in the classroom. It keeps me sharp. I like connecting with the students. Um, it's just, it's a good time. And then um, I also have a online platform for sports, physical therapy and performance training, education and mentorship. And that's the all things sports, physical therapy discord. All right. can tell you're doing a lot of different things, kind of integrating all your interests, um, making sure there's a spot for all of that. So that's super cool to see. Um, I've talked to, over the last few episodes, some diff other different physical um, therapists who specialize in sports. And just hearing about their journeys, it sounds like one of the big ways to get an upper hand in the world of sports is to know you want to do it from the get-go. Would you say that, that was the case for you or can kind of take me through what your journeys looked like, maybe in different positions? Um, as a physical therapist interested in specializing in sports. Totally. Yeah. I mean, even before I found the uh, the profession of physical therapy, when I was an undergrad and I was kind of like, what do I want to do? You know, I always knew I wanted to do something in the form of athletics, whether it was fitness, whether it was nutrition. Um, and I also liked the medical side of things. So when I stumbled upon physical therapy, it was like a perfect match. It was like, you know, the bl a blend of uh, a blend of uh, the two best worlds, right. Coming together in physical therapy, because you have the, you know, the fitness side of things and the, and the exercise and things like that. And then you also have the medical side of things. So um, pretty much I knew I wanted to do something with athletics and athletes really from the get-go before I even started my journey in physical therapy. And then throughout school, when I had some experience and stuff like that, I'm like, this is definitely the route I want to go. And it's funny because I remember when we were doing our clinicals, 
obviously the school wants you to have a nice well-rounded experience so you have to do an inpatient as well as an outpatient experience mm -hmm. and um you know i did my inpatient one first which i actually I, i'm not gonna lie i'm like i knew i wanted to do sports i'm like oh i'm gonna hate this i was in a nursing home i'm like i'm gonna hate this and i really loved it it was definitely eye-opening and it was definitely a great experience to have but i always knew i wanted to do sports so after i got my inpatient rotation out of the way the last three that i did were all like outpatient based and um got some good pretty good sports experience um and a lot of general outpatient orthopedic type experience so i kind of knew from from the really the get-go and then um one of my clinicals was actually with St. Charles, the facility that I work for now. And um, I was exposed to the sports medicine program. And I'm like, this is definitely where I want to be. This is what I want to do. I see a lot of opportunity, a lot of growth. And I think uh, these guys are doing the right thing. And and it really caught my eye. And I, I knew from that point, I'm like, I'm going to make this happen. And I really want to pursue his career in sports and really take it as far as I can go and try to be the best therapist I can be for you know the patients that I see. So then have you... Were you always at St. Charles following graduation or did you have other positions? No, St. Charles was my my first and only position, full-time position, I should say. Um, I do some outpatient uh, coverage here and there, uh, but that's a little sporadic at a different facility. But that's, you know, my my only full-time position is, is through St. Charles. Okay. So then talk to me just a little bit about when you decided to get your board certification in sports. Is that something you always knew you were going to do? Or did you notice like there were gaps in your care that needed to be filled? Kind of what led to you pursuing that? And then maybe how has it changed your practice? Yeah, um, I would say honestly, since school, when I first learning about like board specialties, and I started finding people in the space that were, you know, pursuing educational excellence and just clinical excellence I was like oh wow this this is something I want to do like I always liked orthopedics and sports so um I was like I should get my OCS or my SCS because I feel like I'm, a, I'm like a lifelong like nerd <laughs> always like learning and like doing better and like reading and educating myself so I'm always doing that that process of self-improvement so I'm like this is literally like one of my career goals I want to get this and I want to get it as fast as possible um so basically, that was a career goal for me. And, you know, I, I pretty much tried to get all my ducks in a row as, as quickly as I could. And I knew with the program that I had, I would have enough sports experience to sit for the exam, because not only do you need the clinical hours um, in clinic for physical therapy patients, but you also need like the the on field or the, you know, that that Perry window of athletic events, whether it's 24 hours pre, during on the sideline or 24 hours post. And, you know, I was able to get a lot of that experience through where I work, which I'm very fortunate for. So once I had enough experience, I sat for the exam and um, I'm totally happy I did. I mean, I will really tell anybody if you're, if you're a nerd like me and you want to just learn more and get better at your screening skills, your medical skills, and uh, you really diversify your skill set and really, you know, speak to a certain niche, then I would strongly recommend going for a board uh, certified specialty because I feel like I learned so much from it and I'm, I'm very grateful for, for pursuing that. And it really transformed the way I treat, I screen and sometimes the way I look at things. Um, but also too, you know, with that being said, it's not the end all be all just because you have letters after your name doesn't mean that you're using the information or that, you know, you still like look through it, right. You might've just studied it for the test and you forgot half of it. So, you know, the letters are nice. The, the certification and the, the, distinction is nice but it's all about how you use that information and are you continuing to learn afterwards and really sharpen those skills but um that's kind of my journey to the SCS and how I I got to it so totally okay. happy I think. 
Yeah, that seems to be one of the big sentiments surrounding um, board certification as well is that, you know, it's not so much having the letters itself, it's kind of the journey of studying to get there and all that information you're learning along the way. One question that I do get a lot, um, and I'm able to answer somewhat well, um, but what would you say the biggest factor should go or should be going into deciding whether to pursue like SCS versus OCS? So I know, you know, there's a little bit of overlap between orthopedics and sports. Some people will argue or say that, you know, orthopedics is the base for everything. Pursue that route. Others will say go sports. It's more specific. If you know you want to do sports, go that route. What would you say or how would you weigh into that conversation? Totally. And that's, you know, that's something I was considering as well. I'm like, do I go for my orthopedic specialty? Do I go for my sports? Do I go for both? You know, and um, I knew my passion lied within sports rehab and treating athletes. And that's the direction I wanted to pave for my career is really opening up those doors to specialize and treat athletes. Um, and, you know, with anything, I mean, your orthopedics is the the background for sports. There's no doubt about that. But with the ortho, uh, the OCS, again, I've never studied for it, but just talking with colleagues who have um, and just kind of doing my own self-research, you know, it's going to be, you're going to get some sports related, um, you know, information, but it's going to be geared towards the general population. And that's great because, you know, you're still going to get a lot of screening skills. You're going to get, you know, a well-rounded orthopedic, like, you know, education that far, you know, supersedes anything you would learn just from school. But for me, my, my heart was in sports. I was like, I really want to learn about sports injuries the thrower, right? The overhead athlete, the endurance athlete, the ACL athlete, um, all kinds of knee injuries, foot, ankle, spine. What do we do when you have something that's like maybe emergency management? I thought that was a cool side of things. Um, not to say that I would particularly use that too often, but I think it's nice to have that background and understanding that. And then I know the SCS still goes into some sports performance training, a little bit of nutrition, things like that. So that's kind of where my heart lied. Uh, so I always say, if you want something that's a little bit more say applicable to the general population cast a bigger net right i would say go ocs but if you really know you want to work with athletes and you really want to learn more about them and kind of carve that path i would say go for your scs okay <clears throat> i pre appreciate the perspective i've asked the question a few times before and i think it's helpful just to see um different responses from people on both sides of the field um, so you mentioned before that one of your bigger passions is working with ACLs. So I want to pivot a little bit um, towards discussing that population. And so I would just just want to lead off. Like, why do you think ACLs are something that's a little bit more challenging for patient or for uh, therapists to treat? I know it's something, it's a situation where throughout all my clinic rotations, I only worked with one patient um, who had torn their ACL. So it's not something I had a lot of experience with. Um, so you think it's just, maybe has to do more with where the student or where the therapist is practicing or what would you say some of the biggest challenges are? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of general outpatient orthopedic clinics may not see a lot of ACLs. Like you said, I mean, if they're really targeting the general population, um, they may not get a lot of ACLs. And when they do, you know, no fault to them. If you're not seeing it and you're not entrenched in it and you're not pursuing how to treat them, you know, when you get them, uh, I'm going to say the care might be a little subpar for what they may need. And, and I'm not faulting the clinician for that because, you know, if it's something you don't see that often, you know, how are you going to really, you know, cater to the the specific needs of that specific person or that athlete? So it's like saying like, if I saw somebody who came into me for like TMJ dysfunction, can I treat it? 
sure, I can treat it. Uh, am I going to be an expert at it? No. I mean, would I be more comfortable sending it to a colleague who has more experience with TMJ? Absolutely. So I, I feel like it kind of goes to that route. And, you know, when you do have an established sports clinic and you start seeing more ACLs, you know, that's kind of where, you know, local surgeons will probably send their athletes, especially if you have a good rapport with them. But speaking to the challenges, like you said, the ACL athlete uh, is is totally different and just athletes in general. But I really think the ACL journey is one of those that really requires you to have like top notch, like exercise prescription skills, which unfortunately in the profession is not always there. You know, I, I don't know if that's from an educational perspective or whatever it may be. I mean, the cool thing about therapy, physical therapy is that we treat such a diverse amount of people that it's, it's hard to really, you know, dive in. But once you have a specialty, you know, it, it becomes important. And for the ACL athlete, you know, it's, it's a journey. It's a journey. It's going to take at least nine months up to a year if you want to get back to competitive sports. And some people might take a little longer than a year, and that's okay. But your exercise skills have to be on point. You need to know your milestones. When is it safe to start jogging? When is it safe to begin plyometrics, agilities? You know, what should my strength standards be? What should the knee look like? When should I get full motion back? You know, you know other things like, should I use BFR? Should I use NMES? Things like that. Like, these are all things that require you to have you know, good working knowledge of the ACL journey and what you're trying to accomplish and what the common deficits are. I mean, if you look at the research, the, the long-term outcomes of ACL reconstructions are not great. About half of the people re uh, return to competitive sports and there's a high, high rate of re-rupture. And, you know, that's not just saying it's just all on the therapist. There's other factors that definitely go into that. But I truly believe if you really know what you're doing when it comes to ACL rehab, a lot of those factors start to resolve themselves and you can really transition these athletes back safely and effectively. So I think your exercise prescription skills need to be on point and knowing your milestones and, and things of that nature. So I think that gives clinicians the most, you know, problems when it comes to ACL athletes and especially if they don't see them that often. All right. So the next thing I'd like to chat about, you talked about it a little bit in the beginning, but your company that you're running on the side, Fitness and Movement LLC, what originally led you to kind of form this company? What need were you looking to fill? Um, what was it like starting at the beginning? Yeah, good question. So um, I always liked training. And whether it was that training myself and talking about, you know, <clears throat> in the weight room, you know, weight training, resistance training. So I always loved doing it myself. And I was like, I, I can help others because I'm just so entrenched in this and I'm just learning and stuff. I'm like, I want to help others. So um, I started training small groups like on the side in person and this is this is going back to like 2013 14 early on and um you know i got some experience and a little trial and error and as everything as you learn more and you practice more you apply it you see what happens and you tweak things so um, i started getting better at that and then in physical therapy school i was like why don't i just start like an online platform i think this is a great way to reach people that i may not be able to reach in person and then also i can do it while having some time constraints, because I don't have to set like an hour block to meet with somebody at the gym and, you know, train them in person. I can kind of do it remotely with video feedback, uh, detailed exercise programming and things like that. So I started my own thing and I, I really had a, a small little group. And I had a couple, couple clients. I had some power lifters. I had some physique athletes who wanted to just look better, get, gain some muscle and, and things like that. And, um, you know, one of my, one of my really good friends, Dan Lorenz, he came to me. He's like, John, he's like, why don't we make this like an actual like business? And why don't we just get a website and, and, you know, look for an app that we can use. And, 
you know, it started from there. So we built fitness and movement, just the Instagram handle in 20, I think it was 2015. We started um, the fitness and movement Instagram handle. And we didn't really have any direction at that point. We were just posting about physical therapy and, you know, a little strength and conditioning here and there. And then when Dan approached me about that, we turned it and flipped it into something that was geared towards, um, you know, online training. And then my, one of my passions, as I said before, and one of Dan's passions is, is bodybuilding and hypertrophy training and just physique changes in general. You know, how do you, how do you improve your aesthetics in the gym and, and things like that? So that's really where we got started. And then we uh, created an LLC and really hit the ground running. So that's how we started into fitness and movement. And now we're, uh, we have, you know, a really good clientele base and seeing some great results. And it's very rewarding to, you know, help somebody and, and see their progress over time, just like in therapy. It's, it's great to see. Yeah. So what would you say some of the biggest challenges were getting started? Like you mentioned that you're, you, you use an, you've made or use an app um, to communicate with your clients. Maybe just talk about some of the resources that have been helpful in propelling this business. Yeah, I think one of the big challenges uh, that we had initially was just finding like an identity for us. Like, what were we going to focus on? So um, we're kind of all over the place. Like I said, I was I had some power lifters. I had some uh, recreational uh, bodybuilders. And then I also had your general population who just wanted to get in shape, you know, so we we're kind of all over the map, which was fine. But our marketing message was not specific to anybody. Mm-hmm. And we were like, all right, we need to kind of target and like, niche down a little bit and, and find somebody that we can really speak to. So, you know, if you speak to everybody, you speak to nobody as that saying goes. So we we're like, let's dial this in a little bit. And we really focus on our marketing message and everything is towards hypertrophy training and, you know, improving aesthetics and your physique. So I think that was one of our biggest challenges. Um, as far as platforms and resources, um, you know, we both have our, our CSCS, which helps, but, you know, we, we needed more, knowledge on hypertrophy training and things like that, not just sports performance stuff, but um, having a good background of that coming into this was definitely helpful. Like Dan was treating, uh, training bodybuilders for a long time. And uh, I got into this, you know, into that population, you know, a little while after him, but just growing and reading some research articles and following the right researchers and reading books and things like that. And then applying it really, really helps. Um, we have an app, it's called True Coach, which is a great platform online. Um, we use that for our clients. It's great. And then all of our feedback and if we have to do intakes or our intakes for our clients and our monthly assessments are all done through Zoom. Okay, nice. And how are you balancing all this on top of your uh, on top of your work in clinic? Um, good question. So, I mean, it, it it's not as time consuming as it may seem on the surface because I've been doing it for a while now and I've gotten very efficient at doing it. So um, I'll set out a block of time when I know I have it every single week at the same time. And I go through programs, I, I do feedback um, and things like that. And I just really, it's making sure that you you set a time, a set time in your schedule to make it happen. Otherwise you're gonna be scrambling like, oh crap, I didn't do this or I forgot to change their program or I forgot to touch base with them. So um, really just finding a time in your schedule and just committing to that time is huge. And, um, you know, like over time you get more efficient at it. So it's, it's not as time consuming as it may seem, but it does, it does take up some time, but it's, it's good time. You know, I, I, like I said, I enjoy doing it and I enjoy seeing the results that, you know, our clients are getting. 
Yeah. Well, one of the trends I'm noticing over the course of this interview is just all your responses. You're saying these are all things I enjoy. Um, you know, the population you're working with, the things you're doing. So everything kind of snowballs um, and is leading into something where it doesn't necessarily seem like it's a whole lot of extra work for you. It's more so, you know, something you enjoy doing and seeing all these different results positively for individuals. Um, so talk to me just a little bit now about what your day-to-day -day is looking like. It seems like you got a lot of different things you're trying to balance. How are you fitting everything in and what does your current role look like in clinic? Yeah. So in clinic, um, I have a clinical role where I treat, which is most of my time, but then I also have an administrative role where I work on program development, community outreach and social media and things like that. So I have my set hours uh, for clinic. And then I also, you know, whether it's on a lunch break or whether when I get home from work or it's before work, um, I set time to, you know, work on social media posts for, um, you know, my continuing education business or for fitness and movement or whatever it may be. So I kind of just structure time slots as is. And, you know, the funny thing is, is you keep doing this stuff, you like ideas start coming naturally. So like, I'll be like at work or I'll be like at the grocery store at the gym and I, like an idea pops in my head. I'm like, oh, that's great. So I just jot it down on my phone in a note section and then I have content. So all I got to do when I sit down and take some time is just, here's the idea. Let's just make it into content. And then there it is. So um, my day-to-day -day does fluctuate because my work hours, I have a couple morning shifts. I have a couple evening shifts. Um, which is, you know, for, if you're trying to treat sports and athletes, you know, you get a lot, a lot of high school athletes, you have to treat in the evenings because they're in school during the day. So my schedule does flip flop a little bit, but I find, you know, plenty of time and to be efficient and, uh, make all these things work. I think the biggest key is, is finding, um, having efficient time, not just like spending hours on end, just pointlessly doing things. It's like, no, I have an hour here. Let's make this an efficient hour. Let's get things done. And then I'll take a break and move on and do other things, you know? Okay. And then you also mentioned your transition. So you used to be a lead sports physical therapist at one of the clinics, and now you're the director and coordinator of sports medicine. What were the differences between those two roles? Yeah. So um, in our outpatient networks to the hospital, we have about eight sites. So as a lead therapist, you're in, you're pretty much the the sports therapist for that specific clinic where you're treating the athletic cases that come to the door. Uh, you're involved in our community screens, you're involved in our recovery clinic, you're involved in our continuing education series. And, uh, you know, your role is to not only just treat, but also to educate the other staff in that facility about, you know, things that the sports program is doing or things that you may have learned from a course and things like that. So that's the lead therapist role. And we have a lead for pretty much all of our outpatient sites uh, who are involved in our sports program. And then as the program coordinator or the program director, I have more of that administrative role where the hot, the behind the scenes things, making connections and making phone calls and writing social, uh, making social media posts and writing programs and, and protocols and, uh, you know, working on community screens and coordinating all the details behind that. And, and, you know, all those other things coming in the role of the coordinator. So those are the two distinct differences between the two. Okay. And are those, are those pretty common, like job listings you would see in the world of sports, like sports or director and coordinator of sports medicine versus lead therapist. Like are those pretty common across the board? Uh, I, I will say that I, I do know a couple facilities that have similar type roles. Maybe the, the, the names are slightly different, but you know, regardless, I mean, you can see like an outpatient clinic who just has a sports therapist, or maybe they have a, a woman's health therapist or they have, um, you know, a spine specialist. So 
definitely see the specialties <clears throat> across practices, but I think for a a big company to have a sports program, you kind of need somebody who's, you know, I guess leading the pack and working on all the administrative stuff and the behind the th- the behind the scenes type thing. So I, I feel like it depends on the size of the clinic. Mm-hmm. And then what would your advice be to someone who is maybe not seeing as many athletes as they'd like in their clinic? Like what are some of the best ways to get more athletes through the door? So for the athletes that you do see, even if it's little, treat them like gold. I'm going to say do everything you can for them. Entrench yourself in their care. Make sure you're doing the right thing for them and that you're trying to work on self-improvement in the process because, you know, no, you know, I think the best referral is word of mouth. And, you know, if you treat these patients well, they're going to talk, they're going to talk to their friends, their colleagues, their coaches, their parents. And, um, you know, it's really going to start making your, yourself known as, as an expert in this field. If you can work on continual improvement and education and, and just getting good outcomes from them. So I think that's a huge start is just making sure that your, your care is on point for them and you're treating them like gold. Uh, number two is, preparing for it because if you don't prepare and you don't have that background, how are you going to treat them well? You know, so kind of entrenching yourself in the literature and uh, doing some self-learning and taking some courses definitely helps. And then also too, you know, communication is key. So I always say if, if you're looking to not only just provide the best care for the patient, but also to, to build your name up a little bit, communicate and over communicate, talk to the parents if they, you know, if they're, uh, you know, in high school or whatever it may be, talk to the coaches like, Hey coach, you know, um, I have one of your, one of your athletes taking good care of them. You know, when the time comes, I will keep you posted, talk to the referring physician, you know, thank you for the referral. I just wanted to uh, give you a little update on this athlete, or I have a question, right? So kind of over communicating is, is definitely a great way to get your name out there and show that like you really care and you're doing your best to really make this athlete known. I think that's really going to help you significantly. Okay. Great advice. We appreciate that. Um, so last thing I want to pivot to talk about a little bit is about your continuing education platform or the discord. What originally led you to start the discord? Yeah, Maybe we can even start, just give it like a little overview of what it is. Absolutely. So I started a continuing education and <clears throat> mentorship platform called the all things sports, physical therapy, mentorship discord. And it uses the app, the discord and basically what it is, it's like it's like a live forum or a community chat. And I'm using it as a way to really help clinicians learn more about sports therapy, sports performance, and uh, nutrition and things like that. And um, I really think the, the biggest problem that a lot of therapists face as far as improving their skill set is time, time and effort, right? So, you know, we're professionals, we're busy, we're treating a lot, we have things outside of work, like... A lot of a lot of PTs don't have the time, or it's tough to set a, a you know set aside some time to actually find an article to read it, and then to try to apply it and things like that. So I wanted to to create a way to streamline clinical information and present it in a digestible way that people can read the take homes, read the limitations, but then also use it to apply it immediately. Right? I think that's where the the best bang for your buck comes in is if you can take all the things you're learning and apply it. So that was a big, big reason for starting the Discord. I, I really wanted people to become lifelong learners and just learn a little bit every day. And I think that's been a big 
thing for me and getting to where I am in my career is that I'm not just taking like three courses a year. I'm taking three courses a year, but I'm also learning every single day. And I'm, I'm a big self learner. So I'm always like, whether it's on social media, or if I'm just skimming through, you know, an article, <clears throat> I'm doing something for process improvement, like almost on a daily basis, or most days of the week. And it's small, it's digestible things. It's like, maybe I read something for five minutes. I'm like, Oh, that's a good idea. Let me see if I can implement it or, um, you know, things like that. And this is a platform where I want my members to learn something every day. Because, you know, guess what, if you do that, for three months, six months, nine months, you're going to be a totally different person in six to nine months, right? And I think that's really the way to do it is just to build those daily habits of, of learning, applying, and then assessing how well you're doing. And that was one of my big goals for the discord. And secondarily, my other major goal for the discord is just creating a good mentorship platform. So I have a couple different tiers, membership tiers, and my VIP tier is really acting as a mentorship for those who really want to accelerate their career in sports rehab and, you know, get to that next level and how to be a master and how to master their craft. So as we know, I mean, there's a lot of jobs out there that offer mentorship and they don't actually follow through. So they may say, Oh, we have good mentorship and, you know, we'll help you along the way. And, you know, maybe that's partially true, but it's never anything structured, at least in my experience from what I've seen from other people, it's never anything that's structured. So maybe there's a more experienced physical therapist that works with you and maybe you can ask them questions here and there, but like there's nothing structured. And I know, John, you know this from just being in a residency program, having that mentorship is huge. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's literally a game changer. So, you know, for all those therapists who maybe can't do a residency, you know, I'm trying to kind of bridge that gap and, and be there for someone to discuss cases with and to help learn and, you know, bad ideas off each other and, and see what worked, what didn't work, what can we do better? So that's my other goal for the uh, all things sports discord is, is really provide that mentorship that a lot of therapists don't have, or, you know, maybe they don't have a, a sports specialist in their clinic, but they're seeing athletes and they're like, how do I get better at this? So mm -hmm. I want to be that, that resource for clinicians who really want to step their game up in sports rehab. So this is a little bit, a little bit more broad, but what qualities should, what qualities should people look for when they're looking for a good mentor? Maybe it's a new grad fresh out of school, um, looking at different jobs um, and trying to figure out, okay, is this going to be a good mentorship situation or not? Cause I know there's, there's some clinics where you can get good mentorship, but like you said, oftentimes it's maybe not structured or not as much as it's hyped up to be initially. So how do you kind of vet that if you're looking for a new job or looking for a mentor? Yeah, it's, it's definitely tough. And it's, sometimes it's hard to get all the answers you're looking for. Um, but I would say, I mean, I would question, question the, the potential mentor, like, do you have structured meetings? Or do you have any sort of formal thing that we meet like once a week, or every couple of days, or once a month, or whatever it may be, where we actually sit down and like, we go over patient cases, we go over maybe some articles, maybe we talk about you know, uh, continuing education, whatever it may be. Is there like a structured time that's actually set aside for you to actually talk one-on-one -on -one with this person or in a small group setting? I think that's, that's massive because just working with somebody who's more experienced, uh, doesn't mean that you're going to actually get mentorship out of them. And, you know, if, if, for those that follow me on social media, I just made a post about how all experience isn't created equal. So I think making sure that your mentor is not only just like, Oh, I've been doing this for 10 years. I know what I'm doing. That may be true, but, you know, make sure that they have like that attitude where they're like, no, I'm, 
I, I have a good foundation and a good grasp, but I'm still trying to get better just like you are. So I'm out there. I'm, I'm still reading. I'm still updating myself. I'm still reapplying things. So I feel like if a clinician is treating the exact same way they were like three, four years ago, I don't know if they're really, you know, really entrenching themselves in self-improvement. So I think those are big keys to look for and to make sure that your mentor has, you know, experience and knowledge in, in what you're trying to actually improve on. Okay. And then one other question I want to ask you about just because you're right in the thick of it. Um, but how should, how should an individual, whether it's a student, whether it's a clinician, how should they sort through the wide variety of different like fee for knowledge type services, so whether that's like courses, whether that's joining a discord, because I feel like it's becoming more and more common for people to be putting out courses and things like that. So how are, how are students and how are clinicians supposed to make sense of, okay, is this something legit or is it maybe not as legit? Totally. And, you know, I feel like most things that out there probably are legit. I mean, some are going to be better than others. There's no question about it. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's, I like to think that there's no therapists out there that are doing things maliciously. Like, let me just slap together something crappy and just give it to the public. But I think a lot of that's going to come from researching into the person that is providing the content, you know, mm -hmm. or do they have a good knowledge base? Do they convey it well? And that's where I think having a good social media presence helps. If you're putting out good content, you're putting out research-based stuff, uh, you're showing that you're, you know, a good expert in your field and that you're working on self-improvement. I think that's going to speak volumes to when people like are considering buying your services or your product. Um, and then also too, just having some social proof and seeing like, hey, you know, someone else took this course and they liked it. They had a good experience or they have good feedback. And, um, you know, I think that goes a long way or just connecting you know, as myself, I talk to a lot of people through direct messages on social media. And I think it's a way to show like, hey, one, I'm actually human. I'm not a robot. And I'm not, um, you know, and I'm here to help you. I'm here to kind of give you that community feel and like, be a guide for you and, and a resource. So I think those are key for anyone who's looking for um, a service or a product, and they're unsure of whether to participate in it or not. Okay, cool. I appreciate that. Um Last segment of the show, I've got five questions I ask all my guests. John, are you up for answering them? Absolutely. All right. First question, what's your biggest key to a successful day? All right. So I would say that it always starts with the night before. And this is usually referring to sleep. So making sure that I get to bed at a consistent time and get good quality and quantity of sleep is going to set the stage for the following day. I think that's huge. I notice if you know my sleep schedule is all whack, you know, I don't feel 100% effective the next day. So I think getting sleep is huge, not only from a productivity standard, but also from, you know, my fitness goals that I'm trying to achieve, right? You need good sleep for that. So sleep is huge. Uh, it sets the tone for a nice, productive, and positive day. And then also, too, I like to accomplish what I would call or what most people call like the most important task of the day. So if there's something that I know has to get done tomorrow, whether it's making a social media post, whether it's posting in my Discord, whether it's... um making a client's training program for fitness and movement. I make sure that I accomplish that at some point in the day and I set time to do it. So I really think that is the biggest keys for a successful day for me. Okay. So what's the ideal sleep number? <laughs> I always shoot for eight, between eight and nine, but it's usually between like seven and a half and eight and a half is usually where I fall. Nice. Uh, question number two, what do you wish someone would have told you five years ago today that might change the way you do things, the way you practice? 
Yeah, this is this is a good question and um makes me definitely think. Um I would say uh I wish somebody told me to not only improve your clinical skills, but start studying and improving your skills with like human psychology, right? So things to help you appeal better to the population that you're trying to serve, right? Um, gather, how do you gather their attention better? And how do you speak to their desires and their problems? And um, I really, uh, I'm, I'm fully entrenched in this now. And I have been for the last few years. But five years ago, if I were to rewind, I wish somebody would have told me to do that a little bit sooner. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, question number three, what book or product has impacted you the most for the last three months? So I would say, um, I read a book on sales, it's called Sell or Be Sold. And it's by Grant Cardone. And I really think it's a great book and a resource um, for any entrepreneurs, and not only entrepreneurs, but just, just even if you're a therapist working for a company, it's just how do you convey your value. So I think it really changes the way you think and approach sales. So Obviously, sales gets such a negative connotation. People are always trying to, quote unquote, sell you on something. They only care about themselves. And, you know, rightfully so, there's always some truth to a stereotype. But I feel like this book really kind of spins the way you should really think about sales, especially if you are you have a good product and you have a good service that you believe in. If you truly believe that you can help somebody and provide value, you're not trying to, like, sell them. You're just trying to help solve their problems. And I think if you can convey that message, not only are you going to be more fulfilled and I don't just mean financially, but also, you know, psychologically, like, wow, I, I really have helped this person, but you're also going to actually help them and they're going to get better at doing that. So um, I think, you know, showing that you truly believe in what you do and your product is, is a game changer and just a way to convey that to your audience. Okay. Do you have any just quick tips on how you might apply that to practice, like day-to-day -day working with a patient, like how you sell your value as a physical therapist? I think it comes from asking a lot of skilled questions where you're getting the patient or your client to, to kind of convince themselves that like, yeah, I need to do this. Right. So kind of like for a quick example that pops to the top of my head, like what have you been doing for your knee pain for the last two months? Oh, I've been doing X, Y, and Z. Okay. And you know, then you ask, well, how has that helped you? You know, what do you like about it? What do you not like about it? And then they'll tell you, you know, if you're just, if you're being genuine and you're in a conversation, they're going to tell you about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they usually tell, they tell themselves the right answer. They're like, well, you know, it's helped me a little bit, but I'm still where I am. I still can't do X, Y, and Z. And, and then they're like, well, I, I think I need your help. And then you come in and say, listen, like, I, I, I agree. I think I can give you a blueprint, blueprint to get from point A to point B. So mm -hmm. I think that's one way to apply that kind of knowledge on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay. Question number four, what's a quote you live by or one that's drastically impacted your life? So there's, there's so many good quotes out there and they can apply to you in so many different contexts. Uh, it's, it's really hard to pick one, but uh, I really like the one, the harder you work, the luckier, the harder I work, the luckier I get, right? Um, there's a couple different spinoffs of that one, but I think it's so true for most things in life. If you put the work in and make it a habit, you'll be leaps and bounds better than you were, say three, six months ago or a year ago um you know and guess what opportunity is going to knock at your door in one way shape or form and you know if you put the work in preceding that then you can make the most out of that opportunity and it's it's so true um I, i've lived it myself and i feel like just putting in the daily work and the daily habits 
is going to prepare you for anything, whether it's an opportunity that presents itself to you or an opportunity that you create, right? You're going to be ready for it. And you're going to find yourself getting luckier on the surface, right? It's like, wow, this all is coming together for me. But it's really like you've laid the foundation to to be ready for that situation. So I think that that quote is 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 definitely one that I I, I really vibe with. And, you know, and that's kind of like, you know, not to dovetail back into it, but that's also one of the reasons why I started the Discord is if you can get a little bit better every day, lay those habits, guess what? You're going to make a big career move or, you know, start your own business or whatever it may be because you're ready for it. Mm-hmm. All right. Final question. Signature question of the show. John Kyle, what is your favorite snack? <laughs> all right. So this is the hardest question of them all because I am a food lover. I am not picky at all. Uh, for those who know me, know I am. I will pretty much eat mostly anything. I'm not picky. I do have preferences, but I like to eat a lot of different things and I like variety. However, I will say that the most common snack that I have <clears throat> is something that has protein in it, whether it's a protein shake, a protein bar, Greek yogurt with some fruit. So I would say that's my most common snack. Okay. Um, but I also like my indulgent stuff. So, you know, if we have banana bread, guess what I'm going to snack for <laughs> at part of the day, I'm going to have banana bread or whatever it may be. You know what I mean? So mm. um, I try to limit those, but my snacks are pretty wide in variety, but typically they're going to have some sort of protein in them. All right. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I learned a little bit more about the world of sports yet again. Um, and I feel like you provided a lot of great information that my listeners are going to enjoy. Um, John, if people want to figure out more about you or where can they find you, what resources do you have that they can follow? Yes. Yeah, so I have, I'll give you three Instagram handles. Uh, so one is for my sports physical therapy, continuing education and mentorship for the discord. And that is on Instagram. Uh, it's my first and last name PT. So it's John Call PT uh, for fitness and movement. If for my online training and physique improvements, hypertrophy training, that is fitness and movement LLC on Instagram and Facebook. And then for uh, St. Charles sports medicine, I have uh, the Instagram handle St. Charles sports med on Instagram. All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And we'll see you on the next one.